and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 253, recorded on August 10th, 2022. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news. We start this week with the question we know is on the minds of all of you out there. What's the latest with Microsoft's Linux distribution? It was just over a year ago that the world was shocked to learn Microsoft had been working on CBL Mariner. And not only have they been issuing steady updates, but they've also been extending its capabilities. And Microsoft has been issuing one or sometimes even more updates per month. And this week, it marked the release of CBL Mariner 2.0, the July 2022 update, too. So I, I take that to mean they had two updates in one month. And it seems that the release itself, well, there's a lot in there, but one of the things that caught our attention is more and more packages are being added that make the distribution at least somewhat practical to run on bare metal now. Now, we should note that this all still appears to be very use case specific, so no, don't expect a desktop spin anytime soon. They've also added some other useful packages, though, like FIO and Sysbench for performance testing, Kubevert, LibXF, kernel tools, and a bunch of other ones I definitely do use. This newest revision to CBL Mariner 2.0 also adds a few more packages to its subset of Fedora RPMs. Network configuration support for unattended ISO installs, that's handy. And it brings Linux 5.15 LTS to the mix, among a bunch of other fixes and improvements. The adventurers among you out there can actually go find an ISO link from the GitHub readme page, which we will have in the notes. But I can't help wonder... How far does this go? It starts to get bare metal support over time. It starts to get more and more package support, more and more scripting for unattended installations. How far does this go? And I think the second question that I feel in all of this is, and I'd love to hear the audience's input on this. So dear listener, how do you think the Linux community is going to process this information about CBL Mariner and process the information around its continued growth as they push it forward? Go to linuxactionnews.com slash contact to let me know or send a boost into the show with a new podcast app. Security issues around the free software supply chain have become a popular topic of discussion lately. At the core of the concern is how we verify the many different free libraries and components that modern application stacks depend on. The Microsoft-owned GitHub announced on Monday that it plans to support code signing for NPM software packages using the code signing platform SIGStore. That tool grew out of a collaboration with multiple tech companies to make it much easier for open source maintainers to verify that the source code they create is the same code that ends up in the software packages actually being downloaded and used by end users worldwide. Those multiple tech companies include the likes of the Linux Foundation, Google, Red Hat, Purdue University, and ChainGuard. There's also been some significant adoption of SIGStore by the likes of Kubernetes, and there's even an official tool for signing Python packages using SIGStore these days. Of course, with any tool like this that requires additional work, SIGStore relies on being free and easy to use to spur adoption and to get people to actually use it. GitHub says it's starting with a proposal on how SIGStore will be implemented for NPM, and then also having an open comment period to get feedback from the community on exactly how the tool will be deployed. And on the topic of GitHub, 
Also on Monday, the source code for an open-source Ethereum privacy mixer called Tornado Cash was completely removed from GitHub, prompting outcry from privacy and free speech advocates alike. This all happened after the U.S. Treasury Department added the Tornado Cash website and a long list of Ethereum addresses to its specially designated nationals list, banning American citizens from using the tool or transacting with those addresses. If you're not familiar, Tornado Cash is an app that lets users make private transactions on the Ethereum network. It does this by pooling together Ethereum deposited by many different users and mixing them together so those transactions are obscured. Within hours of the announcement by the Treasury Department, reports started to emerge that GitHub had taken action, shutting down both the Tornado Cash project page, but also the developer's entire GitHub account. The developer then took to Twitter asking, is it now illegal to write open source code? For their part, GitHub says they had no choice but to act. Though that response certainly has provoked a general outcry from several industry leaders who cited the 1996 federal court case Bernstein v. U.S., which established source code as speech, protected by the First Amendment. And Matthew Green, a cryptography professor at John Hopkins University, said, quote, 30 years of hard legal work to establish First Amendment protections around software distribution, blown up in a day by GitHub and Microsoft. In response to clarification on the situation, a GitHub spokesperson said, quote, Trade laws require GitHub to restrict users and customers identified as specially designated nationals or other denied or blocked parties, or that may be using GitHub on behalf of blocked parties. It's an understandable tough position for Microsoft and GitHub. Um, notable, though, the U.S. Treasury's sanctions on Tornado Cash do not name the Tornado Cash developer or anyone involved with the project. In fact, the only identifying information in there is Tornado Cash, the project, the name, and some Ethereum addresses. There is no individuals listed at all. A tricky situation to be sure. We're just glad there are still viable self-hosting alternatives that are out there. But sticking with GitHub for one last story, many of us became aware of a privacy policy reversal after a staffer tweeted about the issue. Yeah, on December 17th, GitHub published a blog post promising not to use non-essential cookies out of concern for user privacy. But a week ago, that blog post got an update with an asterisk signifying that the privacy policy had changed. It seems that for GitHub Enterprise Marketing subdomains, non-essential cookies are back on the menu with the reason being just quite simply, quote, better reach and to improve the web experience for enterprise users. If you're not comfortable with that change, well, there is a 30-day comment period. You can find it at linuxactionnews.com 253. Well, after all of that, we kind of feel like covering something like good news from the decentralization file on the show. And that's IPFS, the Interplanetary File System, which is a protocol for peer-to-peer -peer decentralized file sharing has now been baked into FFmpeg starting with version 5.1. And it appears the effort is not stopping with FFmpeg. That IPFS support actually landed in FFmpeg back in July. But Mark Geyser, an open grant participant turned Protocol Labs contractor, recently blogged about the FFmpeg IPFS implementation, sharing some more juicy details that we could really sink our teeth into. 
the utility of having a fully decentralized file protocol built right into FFmpeg, that just seems pretty obvious to me. And it seems like the inspiration for the idea actually came from a failed drive in Mark's home server. He wrote in the blog post, quote, After days of debugging, I just couldn't resolve the issue, which sparked a simple idea. I already use IPFS. Why can't I use that to play my media? Good idea, Mark. In multiple ways, because by building that support into FFmpeg, not only does anyone using FFmpeg directly benefit, but so do a huge amount of downstream projects that also make use of FFmpeg. But oh no, Mark did not stop there. He's also begun adding support to VLC, MPV, and Kodi. That MPV support in particular looks like it could be finished up by the next release. For details on how to play around with this new support in FFmpeg and the grants that are making all of this possible, well, you should check out Mark's full post. We will have a link to that as well. Ubuntu 22.04.1 LTS was scheduled for release earlier this week, but that's been pushed back by an additional week after a bug was found that led to snaps like Firefox failing to launch. Now, if you've already upgraded to Ubuntu 22.04.1 via apt upgrades, don't worry. This bug actually only affects new OEM installs. As for the bug itself, well, that was found in the final hours before release. Thankfully, though, as we record right now, the fix has been completed and it's on track for that new release window. Linode.com slash LAN. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account, and it's just a great way to support the show. Linode is our hosting provider. They are the simple, affordable hosting provider that has, I believe, the best performance in the business, and the studies keep backing that up. Fast, reliable cloud hosting. That's Linode right there, with real humans that are available to help you 365 days a year. Linode is how we run everything we've built in the last few years in the cloud. And like us, Linode loves Linux. And that stuff matters to me. As a business owner, I want to patronize other businesses that support the Linux ecosystem. And Linode does. They provide support for projects. They invest in open source. And they also invest in the community. They're sending us down to California in September to meet up with a whole bunch of you and get to take a tour of JPL. And Linode doesn't do that because they're going to make a ton of money on it. Although, hopefully, they'll get some of you to sign up as a show of support. But They do it as an investment in the community because they're long-term thinkers. I mean, they've been doing this for nearly 19 years, so they've really figured out how to do this right. And because they are Linux enthusiasts themselves, they get that connection to the community like no other provider does. And of course, it doesn't hurt that they're 30 to 50% cheaper than the hyperscalers. They'll want to lock into their esoteric crazy platforms with their own unique languages and names for everything where they forked a bunch of projects and call them something completely different now. You know what I'm talking about. That's not Linode's game. Linode's game is simple, affordable, accessible cloud hosting. Their game is the best place to run applications on Linux. They've recently rolled out MVME storage, AMD Epic processors. They are their own ISP. And with 11 data centers around the world, you'll find something close to you that's nice and fast. It's so nice. It really is. Because honestly, I wouldn't want to host my stuff anywhere else. 
I'm really happy to say that we are proud Linode users, and I think you're going to love it too. And, you know, they just recently updated their Kali Linux support. So they added Kali Linux support, and then a new version of Kali came out, and they've already updated the version of Kali that they now let you run. It's pretty convenient, and it's a great way to remotely audit your network. So go try Linode, learn something, support the show, maybe deploy something. Try it for yourself. Try it for your business. Just go to linode.com slash LAN. One more time, that's linode.com slash LAN for that 60 days, $100 credit on your new account. linode.com slash L-A-N. And a big thank you to Collide, collide.com slash LAN. Collide is an endpoint security solution that uses the most powerful, untapped resource in IT. End users. And when you're trying to achieve security goals, maybe it's for yourself or a third-party audit, maybe it's just for the boss, the wisdom of yesterday was to treat every device like it's Fort Knox. With old-school device management tools and MDMs that force disruptive agents onto employees' devices, slow down performance, and gunk them up. I never wanted that stuff on my machine. It really turns IT admins and end users into enemies. And not to mention those tools often create their own security problems. <laughs> so it was time for something different. And that's why it's great to introduce you to Collide. They do things better. Instead of forcing changes on users, Collide sends them security recommendations via Slack. And Collide will automatically notify your team when a device becomes insecure. And it'll give that person step-by-step -step instructions on how to solve the problem. And by reaching out to employees via a friendly Slack DM and then educating them about policies, well, Clyde helps you build a culture in which everyone contributes to security because everyone understands how and why to do it. And for IT admins, Clyde provides a single dashboard that lets you monitor the security of your entire fleet. Maybe they're on a Mac, maybe they're on Windows, and even when they're on Linux. You can see at a glance which employees have their disks encrypted, their OS up to date, and a password manager installed, making it easy to prove compliance with your auditors, your customers, and leadership. So that's Collide, user-centered, cross-platform, endpoint security for teams that Slack. You can meet your compliance goals by putting users first. Visit collide.com slash land to find out how. If you follow that link, go there. They'll hook you up with a goodie bag, including a free t-shirt just for activating a free trial. You know I love that free swag. So go get it. It's collide.com slash land. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash L-A-N. You'd be forgiven for thinking you missed the announcement this week of the next Linux kernel officially getting the 6.0 major version number. After all, there seems to even be some confusion about that on the Linux kernel mailing list right now. You might just say that excitement is building for this next release. But we don't actually know yet. There's no official announcement. Probably only Linus really knows if we're going to get 6.0 or 5.20 for the next kernel release. Historically, Linus has bumped the major number around the .19 release, but he sometimes does it for the .20 release. For example, Linux 4.0 came after Linux 3.19. But just to send us a little bit of a curveball or keep things inconsistent, we did see Linux 4.20 before we got Linux 5. So you never really know. Why does it matter? Well, simply put, Linux is probably the most important operating system in the world. And at least I think there's something remarkable about how unremarkable a major decision like this is being made. 
I think to the outside observer, it probably seems a little haphazard. Yeah, I can understand that position. I mean, version numbers mean different things to different people, different projects, and maybe whether something is considered a library or an application, or in this case, an operating system. Don't know quite where that falls. But I think you should read this and take some hints from both Linus's policies around not making breaking changes, at least at least for user space, and then also, as you say, at the sort of haphazard nature. A Linux kernel version, it just doesn't really mean much. I've started to think of them kind of like the arbitrary release numbers that seem to be popular with browsers these days. I totally see that comparison. I agree for all of the minor releases. And I think most people don't even think about what version of the kernel they have on their distribution. The version that the distribution ships with is probably very rarely a deciding factor on what distro they're going to use. I mean, it is for me, but I doubt for most people. I don't think it's something users care about much. However, 6.0, right, those big point releases, that's going to get coverage. That's going to get attention. That's going to get buzz. And, you know, I think strategically, it might be a good idea to do it because there is a lot of great features in this release that probably should get some attention. I mean, just super quick. Some of my personal favorites, again, we're going to see real-time kernel support possibly land. One of my favorite file systems, XFS, is getting improvements for a multi-core CPU systems, which is like all my systems. ButterFS, my other favorite file system, it's getting version 2 of stream support. Major new features in IOU ring, which people are excited about. And finally, the Raspberry Pi 4 GPU kernel driver is landing. Love all of that. Yeah, I like those too. But that's just scratching the surface with whatever this new kernel is going to get called. I mean, we've mentioned that Rust support is expected to land. There are also a ton of improvements and new hardware support for both AMD and Intel. And even some good news for Clevo hardware users out there. Enterprise users will also benefit from some plumbing being done for Compute Express Link. And there are some changes that should greatly improve NFS. I just can't see them not trying to get some attention on this release. And I, I think people listening will say, oh, Linus doesn't care about that stuff. Wrong you are, I say. I've observed this man for a long time, and I think he does think about this stuff a little bit. They have pride in the Linux kernel, and they have pride in their work. And uh, they like to go after narratives about the kernel getting too old or slow or too big. That's all part of this. And either way, we're just super happy to see this continue to get work on. I mean, there's so many things landing in this next release that we could dedicate a week's worth of shows to it. Uh, even our favorite feature, the new Samba server that's built into the kernel, even that is going to see some improvements. Long live KSMBD, I say. How dare you? As for when we might actually get our hands on that new kernel, well, there is a process to follow. The merge window, which is the time during which contributors can send in requests for their new code to be integrated, that's currently open. Once that closes, will come a period of testing and integration work marked by a series of release candidates. Then, if all that goes well, we'll finally get to find out what new version we're working with. And either way, we'll be happy. I, I went back just kind of historically to the archives in preparation for this segment, and I read all of the release announcements between major version bumps, you know, 3.19 to 4, 4 to 5, and just read all of them. And really is a capture, it's like a time capsule of what's going on in the community at that time. And 
some releases, you could tell things were kind of stressful. And in fact, one of them, Greg even writes in there in part four line, it's just everybody take a week off after this release. Go, <laughs> go have a week off, walk away from the computer. That's not the sense I get with this release. There's a lot of new stuff in here and a lot of excitement. And the kernel really seems to be firing on all cylinders this release cycle. And every single day, Wes and I are seeing a new story, a new announcement about something landing in the kernel, about some work being done, about some improvement. There is just a level of development, I think, looking back at those archives uh, that we didn't know where we'd be at back then. We weren't sure if it would be able to continue. There was a lot of talk if the development was sustainable in the kernel. And here we are. And it's firing all cylinders. They're doing great. We'll have a link to some good resources in the show notes for all of that stuff, including a really good write-up about the new user space block driver that's going to work with IOU ring over on LWN.net. So if you're into that stuff, that's definitely worth a read. But either way, we're going to follow the development and all this stuff pretty closely, and we'll report back to you what ships, when it ships, what you need to know about. So to find out what's going to happen to your Linux install before it happens, go subscribe to the show over at linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get those new episodes. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact for ways to get in touch. Would you like to get an ad-free version of this show? You can support this show and the entire network by becoming a member over at jupiter.party. Whichever version you choose, we'll be back next week with our take on the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us. And that's all the news for this week. Music.